You are listening to a podcast from the University of Leeds, produced in conjunction with thefaculties.org, supported by JISC. This material is subject to copyright by the University of Leeds, and media items are released under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial Sharealike 3.0 Unported Licence. For more information, terms and conditions of use, please visit leeds.ac.uk. RNA interference first came to light when scientists working on petunias purple petunias, were trying to make them more purple by putting in extra genes. However, what they actually got was this. Unexpectedly, the petunias were completely white. Rather than making extra pigment, the petunias had no pigment at all. A while later, two American scientists, Andrew Fire and Craig Mello, noticed a similar phenomenon in the worms they were working with. This led them to the discovery of RNA interference in 1998, a discovery which won them the 2006 Nobel Prize for Medicine. Astoundingly, the Nobel Prize was awarded only eight years after the initial work was published. This is one of the shortest time periods ever for a published work to win a Nobel Prize and shows just how important their discovery was. RNAi is an incredibly simple technique which allows us to reduce the expression of any protein specifically. Not only is this useful in the lab, but it also has massive medical implications as well. It allows us to target any protein and all we need to know is the mRNA sequence, compared to previously where it would have taken years of designing drugs to target the 3D structure of the proteins. All that's needed is a way to get the RNA into the cells affected by the disease. So, how else can we use RNA interference? Well, using models in the lab, as Lizzie will show you, scientists have used siRNA to shut down mutant proteins that cause cancer in cells. They've also stopped the production of a protein giving cancer cells drug resistance, so this will make them more responsive to therapy. Again, using lab models of disease, scientists have also targeted HIV and prevented it from being able to replicate and spread from cell to cell. So this all sounds very promising. However, none of these have been successful yet in clinical trials. The first RNAi treatment to reach the clinical trial stage was a drug called bevacirinib, which was first used in 2004 to treat a disorder called macular degeneration. Now, macular degeneration is a disease where too many blood vessels grow over the retina of the eye, causing blindness. So the siRNA was designed to knock down or reduce levels of a protein needed for blood vessel growth. However, the trials were halted back in 2009 because the drug wasn't really preventing loss of vision, and this was thought to be because too little of the siRNA was actually getting into the cells in the retina. Now this is one of the major hurdles for RNAi-based treatment. We've got to get the RNA into the cells and at high levels because, as we've discussed, the RNA is unstable and those molecules break down very quickly. So now, scientists are working on how to package the siRNA molecules so they're taken up by cells more readily. Also, you've got to make sure that your siRNA only targets disease cells and not healthy ones. And these kind of problems might sound familiar to you if you've studied gene therapy. However, using siRNA on cells grown in vitro, that is in tissue culture outside of the body, is simple and it's used routinely in research labs. I've been growing these brain cells in tissue culture and I'm now ready to knock down expression of one of the proteins using siRNA. This is a very simple procedure. I have the siRNA in this tube here and all I'm going to do is first add some of the siRNA 
into the tissue culture media, which contains all the nutrients the cells need for growth. Secondly, we need a method to get the siRNA across the cell membrane and into the cells. And to do this, we're going to use small balls of lipids or fats. These are going to form a complex with the siRNA molecules, which is then going to help them get across the cell membranes and into the cells. So I've added both of those to the tissue culture media here. I'm going to give them a quick mix. And then we're going to incubate these for 20 minutes to allow the complexes to form between the siRNA molecules and the small fat molecules. So these have now had their 20-minute incubation, and I'm simply going to add them to the cells by dripping them in to the media which is already with the cells. So some of these are going to be transfected with small interfering RNAs targeting my protein, whilst other ones I've already transfected with some control small interfering RNAs, which shouldn't knock down expression of anything. So these cells now have been transfected with their siRNAs, and I'll incubate them for 48 to 72 hours, and after that time we should see knockdown of our protein. So after their 48-hour incubation with the siRNAs, I've used a process called Western blotting to measure the expression levels of the proteins in my cells. This printout here shows my protein as this black band. So you can see in my control transfected cells, these were the cells transfected with a scrambled siRNA that shouldn't knock down any protein at all. We've got lots and lots of protein, so the black line is quite thick. Whereas in the cells transfected with the siRNA for my protein, the black line is quite a lot smaller, showing that we have successfully knocked down expression of the protein. The mechanism behind RNAi is very simple. When double-stranded RNA enters the cell, a protein called DICER binds it and cuts it into short 20 to 25 base pair long pieces. These pieces are called siRNA, or small interfering RNAs. The siRNAs can then bind to another enzyme complex called RISC. RISC removes one strand of RNA from the duplex and stays bound to only the coding strand. Using complementary base pairing between the siRNA bound to RISC and the mRNA coding for a protein, RISC can bind specifically to just that mRNA. RISC then cuts the mRNA into pieces and the cell recognises these fragments of mRNA as abnormal and so degrades them. This probably evolved as a way for cells to defend themselves against viruses. Some viruses infect our bodies by injecting their RNA genome into the cell. And using RNA interference, the cell can destroy the virus's RNA. The fantastic thing about RNA interference is that it allows the cell to specifically knock down expression of just one protein, leaving all the normal functions intact and working. You were listening to a podcast from the University of Leeds produced in conjunction with thefaculties.org, supported by JISC. The right of the individual named to be identified as author of this work has been asserted by them in accordance with the Copyright Design and Patents Act 1988. For more information, terms and conditions of use, please visit leeds.ac.uk.